Thank you. Amen. That patty cake was really great for me. But can we give Jesus Christ a hand clap like the Seahawks won the second Super Bowl already? That's right. Yes. He is worthy of our praise, and I am so excited and happy to be here today. Uh, I won't uh, go through the long version of our journey here to Seattle. It is an exciting one. I would encourage you. We are in the 21st century. You can uh, go to radiantseattle.org, click on the about page, and there you have me giving the all the details of this journey. But what I will say is uh, about 10 years ago or 12 years ago now, can't believe it's been that long, uh, the Lord had placed it on my heart as I was discerning uh, God's call to pastor um, that the city of Seattle particularly began to be heavy on my heart. And I want you to know, as you're looking, that's how I looked. I was weirded out by it. I had no family here, no practical connections here. All I knew is that in 96, my bulls gave it to your Sonics. Amen. And uh, yeah, I'm not afraid of anybody. And uh I knew that uh, Frasier uh, happened to be here. I don't know if it was filmed here really or not, but that was one of my favorite shows. And, uh, and my computer came out here. I know this was Bill Gates country, and they said it rained a lot. That was it. That's the only things I knew. Uh, but I am grateful to God that we, uh, my wife and I, were brave enough to pray one of the most scariest prayers you could ever pray. And that is a prayer of saying, okay, God, if this is your will, let it be. How many know that's a scary prayer? Because basically what you're inviting God to do is to wreck your entire life. Amen. <laughs> and so, uh, but I am so glad uh, to be here. And so fast forward, uh, our family got out here last year. Um, we went through church planners assessment. I went through uh, North Park Seminary. Uh, they already gave me my diploma, so it's too late. And, uh, and so we came out here to start Radiant Covenant Church. Uh, that is the name of our church plant, um, and we're super excited. We are hosting services uh, in Renton, Washington, uh, downtown Renton, at an amazing spot called Luther's Table, right across the street from Renton High School. Uh, this coming uh, Labor Day weekend, we will have our, thir- our fourth and final preview service. We've been doing monthly preview services just to kind of get the, the, that area and the larger uh, Puget Sound area a taste of what they can expect from a worship service at a Radiant Church. And so we are preparing to launch weekly on September 21st. And I don't know about you, but it is equally the most scariest and exciting time all at the same time. So we just solicit your prayers, but we've been really excited and really encouraged about what God has done over this past year leading up to us launching weekly. As a matter of fact, uh, my beautiful family is here. My wife, Kimberly, uh, our oldest son, Jeremiah, uh, Abigail and Gideon. Y'all pray for us. We need a uh, ministry, a food ministry. Amen. And uh, yeah, my son eats like a linebacker. Amen. Uh, it's crazy. Uh, but, but we thank God for him. And uh, two, uh, of, at least I see two, two of our uh, core team members are here, Jeremiah and Jenny. Uh, we're super excited to have them with us too. Oh, KM and Paul are here too. Amen. So Summer Radiant is in the building. I'm super excited about that. And uh, we're just happy to be here with you. Uh, Quick story I'll share 
just in the things that we've seen God do so far, you know, as a church plant, um, it's very practical for us to get the word out that we exist in the neighborhood and how do we be the church beyond the four walls uh, of, the, of the church. And so we've been doing great things like going door to door with Bibles and just kind of introducing ourselves to the community, offering prayer. And then uh, we took some gas cards out and we went into a Safeway gas station and we uh, had a corny tagline. We said, we believe the church is designed to help you to get a little further on your journey. Amen. And we would give people $10 gas cards, and it was a blessing. And uh, we went out the other week, and we handed out, we went to the large uh, transit center and handed out bus cars and were just praying with people and blessing them. And one of our preview service, uh, a wonderful lady who was homeless came uh, because she heard that we were handing out free coffee. And so she came, and she was a part of the service, and it was a blessing. And as a matter of fact, Jenny was the first one to greet her, and she was curious and asked, you know, how did you hear about our church? And I was so excited. This may scare some of you all, but like I said, I'm from Chicago, so this excited me. She said she heard about our church from the neighborhood drug dealer. Isn't that wonderful? The thugs are telling people to go to church. Isn't that great? I was like, yeah, we're doing this thing right. <laughs> so so we, we are just super excited. Uh, we're grateful to God for all that he's doing. Uh, we are a church. We, we, we're not caught up uh, in numbers. I know most pastors lie when they tell you that. Uh, I'm kind of lying when I say that. But um, uh, no, we're not. Seriously, though, we're not, we're not caught up in numbers, but we are caught up in building disciples. And we believe disciples will build the church. Amen. And so we, we believe this. it is a marathon, not a sprint. And so we're just super excited uh, to be a part of the larger covenant church narrative uh, in the 21st century. And so with that being said, uh, I also want to just celebrate uh, the angel of this house, uh, your lead pastor, Pastor Peter Sung, who is one of my personal heroes. I've known Peter for a lot of years uh, prior to coming to Seattle. And since coming out here, uh, he has just, with mad love, as only Peter can, has kind of taken me in and coached me and mentored me and continues to do so. And so I count it a great, 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 great honor to be with you this morning. Amen? And so I come from the school of thought, hey, we're all a part of the Covenant Church, so we're family. Amen? So I want to encourage you to just indulge me, and, and I pray I can make myself at home. And so in saying that, I don't know if you knew this, but I'm black. I've been black for 37 years. <laughs> Amen? Proud of it. And uh, yeah, I did grow up in the Baptist church. And so, amen, I, see, I saw a Baptist. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. That's right. And so I just want to let you know, uh, we're going to get through this together. Amen. We're going to have a good time. Uh, but I just want you to know, it is perfectly okay if you fear, feel something or hear something that really resonates with your spirit. It is okay to say Amen. 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 Because I come from the school of thought that if I don't hear an amen every now and then, I am going to think you think either I suck (laughs) or you didn't understand what I said, so I'll have to repeat it (laughs) over and over again until I hear an amen. Y'all are great class. We're going to have fun today. All right. So with that being said, let's jump into the text. We're going to be in the Gospel of St. Matthew, uh, chapter 5. We're going to look at a few very, very familiar uh, pieces of Scripture, um, but I believe God has fresh bread for us this morning. 
Uh, if you have your Bibles or if you have your iPhones or iPads or Wackberries, I mean Blackberries, wherever you have your Bible, you could pull that out or you could join us on the screen. Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16. By the way, this passage of Scripture also serves as the seed verse for our church plant. Uh, really the verse that encapsulates what we call ourselves Radiant Church, where our vision is to be an undeniable light uh, in the city. Matthew 5, 14 through 16, and I'm reading from the New International Version for the sake of clarity. And the Bible says, you are the light of the world. This is Jesus talking, by the way. He says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all or to everyone in the house. Verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Can you say amen for the reading of God's word? For our time together, I want to talk from the simple subject, flashlights flashlights. Help me out. Uh, Look at your neighbor, either on your right or your left. You can decide now which way you want to turn and smile. And I'm sure we all brushed our teeth this morning. Amen. Smile at your neighbor and ask them, neighbor. Okay, wait, let's start over. So (laughs) when I say ask your neighbor, that's when you're preparing your vocal cords to communicate. So turn to your neighbor and say, "Neighbor, neighbor, are you a flashlight. flashlight. Amen. Amen. Are you a flashlight? Uh, I want to start off, my wife sometimes says I'm transparent to a fault, uh, meaning I tend to tell all of my business way too soon. Uh, But that's just how God made me. And so I just want to start off by being completely transparent with you. When um, uh, I tell you, when I was 16 years old, if there was one word that could describe my life at that time, that word would be darkness um, at 16. My, my, my life was in, um, in my opinion, total darkness. I was 16, and I found myself facing uh, a teen pregnancy. Uh, at 16, I was uh, affiliated with a gang. I had one foot in, one foot out uh, of, of a gang life, potentially heading down a very dangerous uh, path. Uh, honestly, with all of that alone, I was battling depression, uh, and I was at odds with my mom. I didn't grow up with my biological father, and for a large part of my formative years, my mom was both mom and dad, and we were not at a good place at that time. So much so, I ran away from home all the way to my auntie's house. I was crazy, not stupid. Yeah. And uh, so things were, were pretty bad. And one of the reasons why I ran to my aunt and uncle's house is because there was an aunt and uncle there and there was a family. And they was the closest thing to the Cosby show that I could tangibly touch. 
And uh, I mean, it was great. And uh, the word had got out in our family that it seemed like everything was getting much more peaceful in their home. Uh, issues they were having with my cousins of the same age were uh, 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 dissipating or, or, or leaving and things were just kind of flowing well. And we found out that they started going to some new Christian church uh, called Salem Baptist Church. And I started out hanging with them and uh, it was great. And my aunt called my mom and said, he's here. Let him stay two weeks and, you know, we'll, you know, we'll figure it out. And during that time, and I was into hip hop music um, and uh, my auntie, she said, you want to go to a rap concert? And I said, yes. And looking back on that, I should have known something was up (laughs) that my aunt would say, do you want to go to a rap concert? And, and so, but I didn't think about that at the time. And we pull up to this church. <laughs> and I'm looking at her like, who playing here? You know, and, and so it ended up being a youth church service. And instead of a praise team, they had gospel rappers. And so technically my auntie lied to me. Uh, that's, I got to call her after this and, and deal with that. That's a whole nother subject. But anyway, but so she brought me to this church service. And uh, long story short, uh, I met the Lord in that church service, heard a sermon kind of tailor-made for a teenager, and it seemed like the preacher was all up in my business, and the rap music was great, and I never heard rappers talk about Jesus, and it sounded cool. It was great, and uh, ultimately, uh, I I gave the Lord my life. I joined that church. That led to my entire family coming to Christ to see me get baptized. They joined that church at that service, and the rest, as they say, is history. Can you shout amen? amen? One of the greatest things to see is people who are willing to let their light shine in the midst of darkness, kind of like a flashlight, a flashlight, to let their light shine in the midst of darkness. When you think about a flashlight, it is a light that stands out because it is the only thing different from its surroundings. When you think about a flashlight, it is a light that usually speaks to safety, rescue, and protection. As I start our time together, I want to know, that's where I see a flashlight back there, brother. God bless you. That's right. (laughs) Have you ever been in a dark season and benefited or been blessed by a flashlight? I don't know about you, but maybe I'm passionate about being a flashlight because I recognize at the end of the day, I am a benefactor of a flashlight. You see, when I was 16, I was not in the church and someone had to meet me exactly where I was in the darkness and show me the light that would lead me to Jesus. I don't know about you. Maybe you came out of the womb speaking in tongues and you were fire baptized and you were Holy Ghost filled and you were just a true P.P. Walderstrom type of covenanter. I don't know. Maybe that's your narrative. But there are a lot of people like me, if we could just be honest, to know that there was a time where we didn't know the Lord, where we were walking in darkness. And if it had not been for the flashlights that told us something about Jesus, we don't know where we would be. The reality is when we think about what a flashlight is, it is simply defined as a battery-operated portable light. In 1899, to do some history, uh, the design for these portable electronic light devices ran on zinc carbon batteries that required periodic rest to function 
thus giving off uh, what uh, light that only happened in a flash or a moment. Thus, they named it aptly the flashlight. Flashlights are designed in such a way that their power source comes from within. As a matter of fact, the only way to validate if a flashlight has a valid power source is simply in its ability to operate. It's powered by batteries. It is the power source that comes from within. And really, at the end of the day, the only way to validate or justify if a flashlight has a valid power source is simply to turn it on to see if it works. If it works, you know it has a valid power source. If it doesn't work, you know it's something wrong with its batteries. And the challenging thing we could say is we could reverse that, uh, that question by literally saying, if one is not operating in its purpose, does it have a valid power source? If it's not operating in its purpose. I knew it was going to get quiet right there. That's all right. A couple of things we need to understand about flashlights as we dissect this passage and deal with this text uh, at a deeper level. Number one, flashlights are a necessity when surrounded by darkness. Flashlights are a necessity when surrounded by darkness. When the lights go out, if there is a, 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 a shortage of lights, what is the first thing we go for? It's a flashlight. Am I right about that? First thing we go for. Uh, the reality is uh, uh, flashlights, we, we were a couple of years ago, my family and I uh, traveled for the first time uh, on a road trip to the East Coast of New Hampshire. Um, I was asked to be a camp pastor at a covenant camp, Camp Squanto. Uh, and I was there for a week. And uh, it was exciting when I got the invitation. I'd never been to New Hampshire. Uh, but then when we got there, we, had, we came into a sobering reality of how dark it was in the woods. Um, we're, we're family, right? We're, we're family, right? Can I, can I just be honest with you? I'm going to just let you, you can ease up a little bit. I'm going to share a little secret with you. Uh, uh, black people uh, don't like the woods. I don't. <laughs> You do know that, don't you? You, you? Okay, all right. So, so much so, uh, yeah, uh, we have flashlights in the car, uh, but when we got there, because, you know, there's a difference between, like, country dark and city dark, right? And when we got there, uh, we thank God for the Walmart that was 24 hours. Even though I had flashlights in my glove compartment, I went to Walmart, bought two more flashlights just in case the flashlights I had ran out because that's how much I don't like the woods. You know, uh, it was a great time. We had a great week. They asked me to come back. They said, when, when can we schedule to come back? I said, the day after never. <laughs> and they said, why? I said, because I thought Jason was going to kill me every night. <laughs> yeah, nah, I, I couldn't do it. Pray for the preacher. Amen. Uh, flashlights, the flashlight is powerful in the darkness family because it is the only thing that stands in contrast or is countercultural to the darkness. We are living in a culture, if we could be honest with ourselves, that is saturated with darkness and in desperate need of more flashlights. One of the, one of the most profound things that I'm learning as a church planner, as I meet new people, as we talk to new people, uh, not just about the church, but about Jesus Christ, about having a relationship with Jesus Christ, I am overwhelmed at the profound reality of just how many people are jaded from the church jaded from Christ because they're saturated in darkness and there's a need for more flashlights. The reality is we still live in a time of racial injustice. 
If you, unless you've been living under a rock or not watching CNN or any of the major news outlets, we know that there is a small Christian community in the Middle East that is on the verge of starvation. Our president had to release uh, food and resources for this particular group because they have not uh, uh, relinquished their Christian faith to succumb to the demands of converting to Islam. And they're now in these, uh, these holes and these, and these caves facing starvation because of the reality of darkness in the world we live in. Family, ultimately, we live in a world that reflects humanity's desires to follow its own passions, its own lusts, its own desires, and not God's will. And consequently, it should be no surprise that humanity is suffering from the ramification of those choices, usually wrapped up in regret, depression, and emptiness. We need the light. We need to be in authentic relationship with Jesus Christ so that we can be flashlights for him, sharing his love and light with others. The good news, amen, I know that's right. The good news is that we don't have to fear being flashlights. I know this sounds all good. I know this sounds great in theory, and it sounds very safe as we're comfortably in this sanctuary today. But I want to encourage us as we hear this and understand the challenge that may be coming in a message like this, that there could be that sense of being afraid. But I want to encourage you today to not be afraid. Because uh, as flashlights, it is not the light that conforms to the darkness, but you see it is the darkness that should give way to the light. I don't think you believe me. John chapter 1, verse 5, the Bible says, It is the light that shines in the darkness, and it is the darkness that could not overcome it. The next thing we need to understand about flashlights is that they are portable. There's no cords here, They're, they're portable. Flashlights are portable so that they can be where they're needed most in the darkness. In the darkness. I was, so pro, I was so profoundly blessed uh, by Ray and Gay's story. That's, it's so easy to remember your names. Just, that's, I thought that was great too. But they're where they're needed the most, in the darkness. Flashlights won't be appreciated only being surrounded by other light, ladies and gentlemen. But the beauty of the flashlight is only fully and uniquely seen when it is illuminated outside of the church and in the culture. In the Gospel of Luke, Luke uh, is a very interesting person to write one of the Gospels as he was not one of the direct disciples of Jesus. Actually, he was a physician. Uh, He would probably live in Mercer Island doing very well with a very good practice. Amen. Luke was the man, and he wrote his gospel to his uh, friend Theophilus because he just thought it was a cool thing to do. You know when you're smart and you're educated and you have all these gifts, and he's writing a gospel just because he had some time on a Saturday. And he said, I, thought, I think it's a good thing to do, bro. I just want to let you know about this guy named Jesus, man, who just flipped the world upside down. And I want to give you an account. Luke is a very practical person, deeply rooted in the culture, and here's what he accounts in some of the things that Jesus did in Luke chapter 10, verse 1. It says, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and did what? Sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. It is amazing that we see Jesus. What does he do at the culminating point of his disciples? He did what? He raised them. He made them disciples. He taught them the way to do what? 
to send them out into the world where he himself was about to go. Let me see if I can make it plain like this. I'm convinced that the 12th man should not be confined to the stadium only. Yeah. I, I, I come from Chicago, but I want you to know I'm a legitimate Seahawks fan. I was in Chicago rooting for the Seahawks. My life was in danger all the time. Amen. I'm true blue. And, uh, but I thought I knew a football fan in Chicago, but my theories changed when I moved out here. It, it became crystal clear that Hawk fans are on a whole nother level. I was in a Safeway and there was this mom with her kids, cart full of food, obviously getting ready for game day. One half of her face painted blue, the other half Seahawk green, and she's asking the lady, where is the potato salad? I said, yup, I'm not in Kansas anymore. This is on a whole nother level. And I'll never forget uh, last year, I'm sure all of us can remember, um, almost if, if equal to, if not more so, of an enjoy, of, of a, a satisfying victory other than the Super Bowl was when we put it on the 40 winers in the playoff divisional. Y'all remember what I'm talking about, right? And, and I, I can say, you know, I'm happy to say we live in a pretty nice neighborhood. You know, people cut their grass on Saturday. It's quiet. Amen. People walking their dogs and running. It's cute. It's great. Right. So when we beat the 49ers, my neighborhood turned into Compton, California. <laughs> people are jumping out of their house. Neighbors are meeting for the first time. I'm jumping out doing it because I'm halfway crazy, too. And we're, I'm meeting new neighbors and all this kind of stuff. And then it dawned on me after I got back into the house, when you really love something, it is impossible to contain it. When you really are passionate about something, it is impossible to keep it to yourself. And I wonder, how is it that we could be that excited over some grass and an oblong-shaped ball made out of pigskin and not be that excited for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Amen. We need to be the 12th man for the first man, and his name is Jesus. Can you shout amen? amen. Flashlights are portable, but not, only are they not, but not only are they portable, flashlights are not eternal. They're not eternal. Like a flashlight, life is but a moment, and we must maximize it. We are not going to be here forever. That is a sobering reality for us all. And I want to ask you, how do you plan to maximize your opportunity to let your light shine? We must make the best use of our time as followers of Christ. Family, the worst thing we can do is have fresh batteries and a flashlight and never use it. Worst thing we can do. And John chapter 9, verse 4, the Bible says, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day because night is coming when no one can work. So as we look at our text in Matthew chapter 5, uh, it is significant that we understand what's going on in the gospel of Matthew. We all know uh, we have the four gospels that essentially are designed to give us an account of the life of Christ. Um, and each of these four gospels approach this narrative 
from different perspectives. You have the gospel of Mark that really focuses on Jesus as the suffering servant. That is why in the gospel of Mark, we see the most gruesome and depicted uh, uh, narrative of the crucifixion uh, in, the go- in the gospel of Mark. In the gospel of Luke, as I mentioned Luke earlier, Luke gospel tells the life of, of Christ, but it is seen from the emphasis of seeing Jesus as the advocate for the voiceless or the marginalizing. It is in Luke that we see so many of the stories uh, where women are seen in leadership because that was a pretty much taboo thing um, in first century Judaism. And and, and so we see Luke from this voice of the uh, advocate and of the marginalized of Jesus Christ. And then John just completely flips the whole thing upside down. John lets us know this is not just a man. Jesus is not just a man, but he is God in the flesh. That's why John chapter one, verse one says, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. And he became flesh and he dwelt and tabernacled amongst his people. John says, don't get it twisted. This is not just some young guy. This is not just some young thug from Nazareth. This is God in the flesh. And then Matthew, Matthew, where we spend our time today, Matthew sees Jesus from the emphasis of him being in the lineage of the nation of Israel, its chosen Messiah. It is, it is the promise of the king that was foretold that will come and will rise Israel back into its prominence. And it is in this perspective that we read these words in Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16, where it focuses on Jesus as king of Israel. And it is here that Jesus is addressing his citizens, if you will, to give them understanding on who they are and how they are to live as citizens in the kingdom of God. In our passage, it is the iconic Sermon on the Mount. Now, I know y'all love Pastor Peter's preaching, Pastor Julie's preaching, you know, but I I just want, we could be honest. If there was any sermon you would want to hear, it would be the Sermon on the Mount. Am I right about that? Jesus for two chapters puts it down like nobody else. He is preaching as only he can on this mountain. And it is, it is uh, the issues addressed in this sermon um, is that if you can encapsulate all of the subject matters that he deals with over the next two chapters, if you could encapsulate them, uh, this sermon is a sermon that fo- focuses on identity, purpose, and how to live. And it is here in this particular pericope that we find Jesus giving us two analogies of salt and light to encapsulate the heart of this sermon in which that we are to be flashlights. The contrast to the culture that draws the culture to Christ. And so this passage is not about Christians being called into separatism or withdrawal from the culture. This passage is not about Christians creating communities in which the world pays no attention. But I came all the way from Renton this morning to let you know that this passage is about Christians being active, preservative agents in the world, illuminating as a guide to lead others into relationship with Jesus Christ. If you believe that, you ought to shout amen this morning. It is about us being the light of Christ in the world, drawing the world to Christ. And so I can hear some of you, you know, that sounds really good. Pastor Mike, that's great. I'm glad you said that. That sounds really good. But really, why why should I be a flashlight? That's a great question. I'm glad you asked. (laughs) Why be a flashlight? 
why, to my opinion, is of the, all the uh, questions to ask, why questions are the most powerful questions? Because they, to me, they really get to the heart of a purpose or understanding of a thing. Why do we do it? Why is it important? Uh, my kids, they, they ask great why questions. I'll never forget, uh, we were in Chicago, and uh, unfortunately, you know, you try to shield your kids from the ugliness of the world as, po- as much as possible, uh, but they, we were all playing on the basketball court. Uh, we were playing as a family, and I didn't take it soft uh, just because it was my family. I was still putting it on them. Amen. I was, getting it, I was giving it to them, you know, and so they, they got on the court, you know, they want to play. So uh, a little kid notices us um, playing, um, cute, adorable uh, kid. And, uh, you know, he wanted to play, but you could tell he was nervous. He didn't, he didn't know if he could play. And we said, you know, because, you know, he was, you know, a, a little white boy, cute boy. And, you know, I didn't know where his parents were. Speaking of a parent, I just didn't want them to see him just playing with some five strangers that he didn't know. So we just said, hey, go ask your mom. You know, we're on the court. I think that's your mom over there. Go ask her if it's okay, but you're more than welcome to play. And, and he comes back, um, and he's not even seven years old, but he said his mother said that he can't play with black people. And I had to, uh, as we walked home after we finished playing, we did not let that spoil our fun. Amen. We still finished our game. We walked home and I had to, I had to talk to my kids and they asked us, why did he say that? My kid asked great why questions. Um, same point, a little lighter, still true. My kids, uh, you know, they asked great why questions. They asked, daddy, why uh, did you eat the last cookie again? Again, we bought you your own cookies and you still eating our cookies. They ask great why questions. So why be a flashlight? First thing is because it validates a connection with God. Why be a flashlight? It validates our connection with God. We can come to church We can quote everything from Genesis to Revelation. That doesn't validate that you are in the family of God. Being a flashlight, though, uniquely uh, validates a connection with God. John chapter 8, verse 12, the Bible says, Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The 34th Psalm, verse 5, I love this. It says, those who look to him, him being God, will be radiant, will be radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. Family, this is the heart of pious living. This is how we validate our connection with God, illuminating the light he gave to us. A couple of years ago, my wife and I had the privilege of buying our first brand new car, a Chevrolet HHR. Amen. 2010, only had five miles on it when we drove it off the lot. We were super excited. It was the first car, too, that had a a USB or iPod connector in it. And that was so cool because whenever we plugged our iPod in or our iPhone in, it was like the car took over all the functions of the iPod and the iPhone. And instead of touching the iPhone or the iPod, we could just touch the instrument dial on the car and it would do everything that our iPhone did. And it was awesome because it, because of the connection, even though my car 
was not an iPod, it acted like an iPod. So my car is not an iPod. But because it's connected to an iPod, it has all the characteristics of an iPod. Okay, y'all didn't get it. So <laughs> my car is not an iPod. Let me, let me be real clear. It's a vehicle. It gets me from point A to point B. You put gas in it, it's great. It's a car. It's not an iPod. But because it's connected to an iPod, it has all the characteristics of an iPod to the point, if you didn't know any better, you would swear the car was an iPod. Amen. Amen. I got the hint. Amen. But family, at the end of the day, we should be so connected to God that when the culture sees us, it's hard to distinguish the difference between us and the light we're representing because we're connected. Can you shout amen? Amen. Amen. Why else be a flashlight? Simply so others can see. So others can can see. In our text, Matthew 5, he says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Pop quiz. In this text, who does Jesus say is the light of the world? You. He says, you are the light of the world. Do you understand how unbelievably awesome that is? As much as we have messed up in our lives, as much as we have gotten it wrong, as many times we have sinned and we come to Jesus saying, Lord, if you just get me out of this one this time, I'll do right. As messed up, as broken, as faulty, as as stinking, as dirty as we are, he gives us the privilege of saying we are the light of the world. You are the light When he talks about it it, it being a a light that in the house, it gives light to the whole house. It's not like your house or my house where there's multiple rooms. The houses that Jesus was referring to in this particular passage of Scripture refers to these one-room houses. And you will come in and you will light the torch or the flashlight of those days. You will light the torch. You will sit on the stand. And where it sat on the stand, the whole house benefited from the light from that one torch. Everybody in the house benefited from one torch. How many people are benefiting from the torch that you're supposed to be as the light of Christ? And family, this is the effects of Easter. This is why we celebrate the cross. We are blessed to see so that we can be a blessing to help others to see. We are meant to be light. And then if we hide it from others, how would they be able to see? It is so others can see. And then lastly, why be a flashlight so we can glorify God with our lives? He says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven. This is really powerful. Jesus essentially says, you want to know how to give glory to God with your life? He essentially says, be a flashlight. You want to know how to give glory? He says, do this. Let your light shine so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. 1 Corinthians 10 and 31, the Bible says, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. 
Family, uh, I'm done. I just want to say uh, being a flashlight is not exclusive to one person, I believe, and I'm convinced that all of us who claim Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior are called to be flashlights in whatever capacity, in whatever way. For my story, for my narrative, for whatever reason, I may not ever know, but God called this young man from the south side of Chicago to the great Pacific Northwest to plant a church where we focused on making the main thing the main thing, and that main thing is Jesus. To be a church that says there's no black section in heaven, there's no white section in heaven, there's no Asian section in heaven, there's no Hispanic section in heaven, but we will all be together. Our common denominator is the blood of Christ, so why can't we have that image here on earth? Is what the church will look like. Doesn't mean we water down who we are, but we celebrate the beauty of God's diversity in creation by coming together, recognizing that through the blood of Christ, we're all brothers and sisters. Amen. Amen. And that it should be the church that shows this country in particular what racial reconciliation can look like. That's, That's our goal. That's how God has called us to be flashlights in this lifetime. And I want to encourage you, Young or older, rich or poor, no matter what zip code you live in, I want to encourage you, if you would dare ask God, use me however you see fit, that God will reveal to you the kind of flashlight you're supposed to be in this world. Please pray with me. Gracious God, we love you so much. We're grateful for your goodness. We're grateful that, Lord God, you did not give us this daunting task and this larger-than-life assignment without first showing us how it is done by you coming to this earth, putting on flesh, and being a literal flashlight in the earth. Father God, we pray that through our love for you, for us recognizing for what you did for us on the cross, for what you do for us each and every day, that we would, as uh, Romans 1.16 declares, not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we would be your agents sharing your light in the midst of darkness, not a light that we have because it's not about us. We don't boast in and of ourselves. It is not our light, but that we are privileged to be your broken vessels used in this world to reflect the light you have put in us through a wonderful, intimate miraculous relationship we have with you. Now bless us, Lord God, to be all that you called and ordained us to be before the foundations of the world. In Jesus' name, amen.